0: Welcome to Gaze with Kids.
1: Gaze with Kids, a podcast about creating and raising families.
0: Creating and raising families together. Together.
1: Together. Hi, I'm Brian Rosenberg. I'm the founder of Gaze with Kids. He, him, and his. I've created my family through a combination of adoption and surrogacy. Our son, Levi, just turned 12, and he has twin sisters, Sadie and Ella, who are 10.
2: I'm David Dodge, my pronouns are he and him. I'm the executive editor of Gays With Kids. I'm in a a known donor arrangement with two of my very good friends and together we've had three kids, um, ages six, five, and one and a half, and they refer to me as Papa.
0: I'm Giovanni Schwa. I am a contributing writer for Gays With Kids, a hopeful dad, and my preferred pronouns are he and him.
3: I'm Britt Smith. I'm a Gays With Kids associate editor and staff writer hopefully future parent and my pronouns are she her here's the news that you're going to need to know this week all right we're in pride month and there are several cities doing pride events in person this year yay uh including some family friendly events in los angeles chicago and new york And in a somewhat controversial move, New York City's Pride organizers have dropped the New York City Police Department as security and they've banned law enforcement groups from marching in the city's Pride celebrations until at least 2025. In other news, a gay foster youth who was adopted by two dads testified to a U.S. House committee this week about his experience in the foster care system. And he also talked about the importance of stopping religious foster groups and adoption agencies from banning same-sex couples who want to be parents. What do you think about 21-year-old Weston Charles Gallo of Missouri who was talking to members of Congress about his
2: experience? I just love this story so much. Uh, It's a great way to wrap up Foster Care Awareness Month, which was taking place all May, which we were celebrating through tons of really good family stories featuring foster dads uh, within the uh, LGBTQ community and a bunch of webinars to help people figure out how to uh, navigate that path if they're interested in it. So everyone go to gayswithkids.com and check out that great content. The issue he he was testifying about was specifically in favor of the John Lewis Every Child Deserves a Family Act, um, which would ban federally funded child welfare agencies from discriminating based on uh, not only race, but also sexual orientation, gender identity, religious beliefs, and, and a host of other things, which is crazy that they are able to do that in the first place. So he you know stood up at 21 years old in front of a congressional committee and gave his very heartfelt, impassioned um, testimony to basically urge the committee to uh, vote in support of this. Uh, I'm actually quoting from Britt's piece here that she authored for us uh, last week. Um, Part of his testimony said this. He said, My father was an alcoholic and a drug addict. He was the deacon of the church, and my mom was a member of the choir. I was taught that being gay doesn't fit with worshiping God. I knew that I was gay at a really young age, but because my family deemed it an abomination, I couldn't live as my authentic self. Um, and he goes in, uh, on to talk about how gay dads were the ones that took him in and gave him a home, taught him to love himself. And it's uh, just a really beautiful story. So I, I really do hope that it persuaded some of the members of the subcommittee that may not be on board before. What do you guys think, Brian? Gio?
1: Yeah, I think that's it's fantastic. And it always, always does my heart well. I agree. Like it doesn't, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. It's 2021. But, you know, he, he brings to mind, he recalls to me, Zach Walls, who was like 20 years old. When he spoke on behalf of same-sex marriage in his home state, um, on behalf of his parents, his moms who were lesbians, um, and uh, in Iowa, I believe it was. And uh, I was so impressed with these young people.
2: I know I was just about to say I can't believe you know the people were using their platforms and speaking out at such a young age. And what you know, what were you and I were doing? But we have Gio here who's doing exactly that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's it's definitely about time. It's it's saddening that, you know, what we're arguing about and what we're asking for is nothing extra. It's no sort of handout. We're just asking for a simple equality. We just want the same rights that everybody else has. This is nothing that, like, you know, nobody has the access to. Um, and it's really, really about time that we start getting treated as, you know, so-called Americans because that's what we are and we make up this country. A lot of us do.
3: Yeah, I think it was really important for, um, for lawmakers to hear from somebody who has gay parents. I think that might be quite rare for them to hear from that experience.
1: You know, it's interesting. I, yeah, no, sorry, absolutely. I, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback over the years on gays with kids um, from parents who said, thanks so much for showing me what my child's life can be like. So I know what it can be like. And his father knows, and his mother knows, you know, whether it was from the mom or their dad. And uh, the other day, I met a 30-year-old woman who grew up with two gay dads. Now, you can imagine life was a lot different from her back then. She grew up in a pretty conservative California community. And uh, just, you know, representation matters, right? And so I also love it from that perspective. It's just it's so important that people know that we're out there.
2: And just to set the stage a little bit for what's coming up in the, later in June is this legislation is dovetailing with a Supreme Court case that will be decided this month at some point um, that could decide whether child welfare agencies can legally discriminate against uh, basically anyone based on, on religious objection alone. So that's not just LGBTQ people. It could be uh, if you're single or of a different religion. Um, and so the way that most legal observers... Thought that the arguments went when they happened this past fall uh, was not in our favor. So it's very possible that the you know the Supreme Court, which is much more conservative, thanks to the four years that we just um, survives <laughs> under our previous president, it may very well set the stage for other states to pass similar legislation to allow for uh, discrimination in this way. Uh, but I also think it's really important. So this the legislation that we're talking about here that this young man uh, testified in favor of would be specific to making sure that federally funded child welfare agencies could not do that. So, you know, this isn't going to be an end-all be-all even if the case doesn't go our way. It is really upsetting still, and it's just the tone of it is, um, you know, not what any of us want to be dealing with in 2021. Um, But it is also not going to require people to discriminate. So if you are still interested in becoming a foster parent or an adoptive parent, there should still be, no matter where you are in the country, an agency that will work with you if you are queer um, or if you're single. So, but it will just make making sure that you're finding the right partners and the right agencies so much more imperative. So we always recommend that people check out the Human Rights Campaign. They they have a uh, database called All Children's All Families that, that they put through a pretty rigorous vetting process to make sure that they're not just L- LGBTQ accepting, but very affirming um, and dedicated to helping queer people become foster and adoptive parents. So, uh, so no matter how it goes this June, we hope it goes our way. If it doesn't, no matter what happens with this legislation, uh, it is still important for everyone to know that it is legal to adopt and be a foster parent as a queer person in every state in this country. And that fortunately is not changing no matter what happens this month.
3: Do you know one other part of that story that really broke my heart was when he started talking about the discrimination that he faced as an openly gay teen in the foster care system. He was told that he wasn't taken in by a number of families because they were worried that he would turn the rest of their kids gay. And it's just these kinds of stories, I think, highlight not only how much love you can find in a family of same sex parents but also just how much discrimination gay the people face from a very young yeah. age
2: yeah. And how much it really depends on where you end up in the foster care system, it really depends on the state you're in, the county you're in. We uh, we had this um, amazing webinar. Again, I, I mentioned this series earlier uh, and encourage people to watch them all. But one we did that was specific to adopting or fostering um, older youth in the foster care system, um, a good chunk of who, I mean, they, they estimate that upwards of 50% of these youth identify as queer. Um, and we had this young woman on the webinar who told us the story of the very first foster care placement that she had. She was 15 years old and she was an out and proud lesbian and she was placed with the family. And as, you know, as soon as they found out that she was queer, they sent her back. <laughs> so It was like the first, uh, ex- her very first experience in the foster care system was that. So she remained closeted through the rest of her time in foster care for that reason. Um, so, you know, not only is it really important for us to be fighting against discrimination and in, in all its forms, but this is also uh, for me, it's just so critical that more LGBTQ people, if foster care is uh, is a path that they're interested in, there's a for us. It's this is our community that's really being fostered, uh, especially the older that they are in the system. So, and we all really do have a obligation in some way to be reaching out and supporting these youth who are being rejected by their families. And still, in in 2021, and really alarming. Yeah, ways. I think
1: that just not enough people realize that that's actually happening. We see so, especially those of us who are older, we've seen so much incredible progress. That you wouldn't even believe that today someone in New Jersey or in New York could be placed in foster. And then the, the, the family finds out that they're queer and they kick them right out.
2: Or that they're even allowed to have these families in the foster. You know, you should not, in my Correct, opinion, absolutely. be, you should be affirming, <laughs> you should be vetted for that. Like, and, and there are foster care agencies, like the ones that we work with, the gays with kids that do vet you to make sure that you are inclusive on, on all sorts Correct. of different factors. So, and
0: imagine that, imagine that you have to suppress yourself and basically play a character, play a role just to have a home, just to have a no. family. You know, it's 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 disgusting, to say the least.
2: It really is. Anyway, so we're we're very excited. We can end this on a positive note, at least with this uh, (laughs) fantastic testimony. Please go check out the great article that Britt wrote for us um, featuring this young man. And uh, and, you know, hopefully you'll be as inspired by him and his words as we all were.
3: Next up, uh, we're talking about Pride Month and what's going on in cities across the U.S., Um, It's kind of muted this year. In Los Angeles, there's going to be a a picnic. In New York, there's a family movie night that Gays with Kids is going to be featured on. And there are a couple of parades in Chicago, down in Miami. It's, I don't know we've we've had a lot of controversial comments about this move, but New York City's pride organizers dropped the NYPD as security and then also banned any law enforcement groups from marching in the pride celebrations. What do you guys think about that?
0: This is a tricky one. I think um, at least for me, I guess my experience is a little bit different. just being an African American. My trust in the justice system is already just at an all time though right now. Um, so to say and sit here and say that this is wrong, it just, <laughs> it um there's a there's just a lot going on in the world. And I think a lot of people mistrust the justice system right now, you know? Um, and we can't ensure that the police are going to be there to do their job and that's just to serve and protect because we see what's going on and especially just this past year, What goes on and the discrimination that we face and this is an issue that's just not unfortunately um it's not just police officers that you know the blatant statement that all police officers are bad obviously that's not the case but the system the system that they work for is is evil and it's so deep rooted that whether you're a good officer or not sometimes you find yourself having to play a role that you don't even want to play
1: I'm not sure, though, that the security that the security company or personnel that they're replacing them with are going to be any different. And that is a big concern of mine. And the second concern that I have is I have friends who are gay cops. And for them to not be able to march in uniform, again, I'm speaking of someone's come, we've come a long way. There's a lot of injustice in in the justice system. We know that. And things have to be addressed. But to just make a blanket statement and say that, you know, the LGBTQ uh, police community cannot be in uniforms. Guys, there was a time where you could be blatantly stopped for just being gay. And like all that progress has been made since Stonewall. And, you know, I remember very well what I was doing on 9-11. And it's 20 years after that. And just to me, I I just think not even allowing the... Gay Officers Action League, I think it's called, uh, to be able to march in uniform.
2: I think it, it's important to keep context in perspective here a little bit. And so, you know, I think no one would argue that this is having some huge impact on the security of the parade or or anything like that. I think it's it's a symbolic act, right? right? So what it's trying to do is force conversation, which it, if that was the goal that's, I think, very much succeeded, this is, I've you know, everyone from NPR to the New York Times is covering this and talking about it. Uh, and so I think for that reason alone, it was, it was um, a good decision because it's enforcing us to have some uncomfortable conversations. Um, I think it's important to note that they weren't being banned from marching at all. Obviously, you can still show your pride, um, just not in uniform. Uh, I, I agree with you, Brian. You know, I know gay cops as well, and this is it's a tricky, uh, a tricky total line. And there's no instance that I know of an of a LGBTQ cop um specifically being part of this problem but it is like geo was saying it's a system right it's a it's it's systemic and for us to start making exceptions for if we're trying to reform the system and trying to reform public safety and how people are treated in this country this is symbolic we need much more than this obviously this isn't going to solve the problem but hopefully it'll push us a little bit closer towards some tough conversations that will get us towards some sort of resolution um, and I also think it's important to note that this is coming on the heels. This isn't happening in a vacuum, right? It's happening um, after a year of incredible public outcry over the death of of black and brown people, a lot of black and brown trans people. Um, th- this is very much within our own community as well, at the hands of police, and even the protests that were happening last summer in June, you know, that I took place in some of them. The police were incredibly violent. They were pepper spraying people. You know, this isn't queer people, this is not queer cops, but this is even in this year of a public reckoning that we've had on the subject of race, the cops <laughs> who are the subject of this are using way too much force against uh, peaceful protesters. So to me, it's like this isn't just happening at a, for no reason. This happening as a direct response to how the NYPD has treated queer people recently. This isn't even just, you know, a Stonewall started as a riot, and that's very much important to remember as well as the response to how uh, the police were treating us but so yes I mean I, th- I agree that it's, it's a tricky thing but I think um, I think where I kind of come down on this is that because it's forced this conversation it's really tough conversation that uh, if that if nothing else it was worth it for that reason and New York's not the first city to do this other cities around the country have long banned the police
1: of course they can march out of uniform but God these are the people we need to change the system they're going to do the best job changing the system from within and I just You know they have a right to be proud of of who they are and and their in their work and yes they're in a system that needs to be overhauled but let them I mean let them march in their uniform and let us applaud these uh, to your point like I've never heard of a queer officer who has been involved in any of these issues right it's it's never been and so I I just again I come from a different uh, generation and to me like I, I. Anyone who wants to be able to march and be proud, um, you know, I remember when the cops would come down in their uniform, they got one of the biggest, clap, you know, applause. And so to just automatically say they're all bad as well because they're in a system that has just got to change from within, but that has nothing to do through no fault of their own. I, that's where I really, I think that's where I, I have a joint disagreement. To me, that's the line of saying, like, I get it that these conversations absolutely need to take place. Changes have to be made, but this this doesn't make sense to me.
2: I used to be a community organizer, so this is very much within my, my uh, realm of familiarity <laughs> with you do kind of shocking things sometimes to force conversation, force dialogue, to make people uncomfortable. And I'm actually um, impressed that the Pride Committee decided to do that this year. It took me by surprise, I wasn't really expecting it. But I think all the viewpoints that have been expressed are, here are valid, it's just a question of what The city decides to do it then, hopefully it moves dialogue for it a little bit. So one other thing I wanted to introduce into this conversation, though, what I find um, endlessly fascinating about discussions around Pride. Um, so there was this like Twitter explosion that happened um, last week. I think the tweet's been taken down. I don't even know if it was like a prominent person that posted it, but someone was saying, I'm looking forward to Pride this year, but please keep your kink and your leather and your, you know, bear skin at home. Um, I want to bring my kids to the event. <laughs> so I don't know if this was a straight person <laughs> posting it or a gay person or whatever, but, you know, so on one end we have, we're <laughs> the police from coming um and then in the end our people are prudish people <laughs> are uh worried that we're gonna oh, i cr- thought
3: i thought you said british <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> i was like i'm fine with it do your
0: thing
2: i have a slight cold right now which is probably contributing to the uh, <laughs> prudish <yeah. laughs> no british people i think are still we you it's can brutal. still calm. we're cool with yeah. it yeah so, british.
1: <laughs> so it's, interesting. it's interesting um my kids we, we took them to Boston Pride two years ago, and they still talk about the huge penis they saw. They thought it was just the funniest thing ever. And, you know, at the time they were eight and 10. And I just think it's hilarious. Not an issue. So,
2: so you have to clarify what oh, kind of. I'm issue. sorry, it was not was a real penis. It like penis? a balloon. It was inflatable an inflatable penis that
1: someone. <laughs> Bore around their waist it was clearly not a real penis. you have to clarify Thank you. there's no real penis size. it's not like there's an enormous pe- no it was not a real penis but um you know we go there and, and we tell our kids look at people are celebrating and that celebration takes place in all kinds of ways and different people and there's probably going to be some nudity there but you know we're open about our nudity like uh around the house my much to my mother's chagrin um and uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's okay. It's about who we are. So I think I, I have, I do have friends though that say, "Oh, well, we can only take them to the kid-friendly area because there's going to be nudity or someone dressing up." And and, and and where do you where do you stop it? Right? Is is drag okay? Is is wearing tight, you know, bathing suits, speedo bathing suits okay? Like where do you stop it? I don't know. I, everyone's having fun, and it's all about love and acceptance and being excited to be there. Like, I can't imagine taking my kids to a more self-affirming place.
2: I, well, you took the words out of my mouth, Brian, we are in alignment there. To me, it's the whole conversation so ridiculous. It's, you know, again, it's, it's an expression of love for our community, and that takes many different forms. And it's also, you know, to the extent that anything comes across as sexual, um, which to me, it's. Not. It's an. Exp- you know, if you wear like a leather harness walking down the street, it's a part. You're part of a community. You're referencing something, but it's not like people are having public sex on the streets during Pride. That's not what this is. And I think we could have a different conversation as to how appropriate that would be. But that's yeah, not the. We're not taking our kids to We're speak having. There. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: are we considering inappropriate? You know, who's who's going to delegate that? Because um, me being Caribbean, Haitian to be exact um i go to all these you know caribbean parades and haitian parades and we are skinned out everybody is dressed up in these big um large uniforms and things like that and people will i know people who will take up to a year just preparing their costumes for that specific event um so who's to say what's deemed inappropriate and what's not i think it's just, just your decision to make as a parent you know what's out there um and you and you know what you would want to censor your child from and what you don't, I think that's just really up to you. But it's difficult for you to, for somebody to say, well, this is not allowed because all parents would think XYZ is
2: exactly it's exactly that. To me it's like if you have if you make the determination yourself that pride isn't appropriate for your kids, I disagree with you, but that's your decision. But to demand that Absolutely. we, you know, not wear our, our drag and our leather and our whatever else that people want to wear to the parade, um, is ridiculous. You know, this, this is a celebration of our community. Even I think it's people within our community that have a problem with it. I think is also uh, interesting and and potentially internalized homophobia. You said it. Thank it's you. Internalized
1: homophobia. There's right. no we're not dancing around it. Yeah. Anyone that's got it real is. issues about it's internalized homophobia.
2: I get like within LGBTQ yeah. families. I hear this some in some of the dads uh, that I've spoken to over the years, where there's this feeling like. You are struggling so much for some semblance of normalcy to have your family accepted. You're already looked at so differently because you're two dads as a part of a family, um, or a single queer dad um, raising a kid on your own, and so you you know you go through all this work to. I'm just doing a devil's argument here for a second, since we all agree. <laughs> but yeah, to, to be fighting for any sort of uh, sense of normalcy to, but then to have like you you get people to accept your family and that you're a dad and that's all great, but then we have these events where it's like, you know, I I think that's right. Exactly. So I think that's kind of the argument. I, again, I don't agree with it, but I do understand that a lot of parents LGBTQ parents have felt targeted and they're already fighting for normalcy. And especially, um, in city, smaller cities across the country.
0: I do understand it. It's just, I think it's also very dangerous to censor who it is that we are because if we don't show, who it is that we are, you know, the type of community that we make up, we're never going to be accepted because it's always going to be viewed as quote-unquote taboo. Um, So if we choose to censor and, and, you know, choose to do this only here or at these certain events, then people are always going to view us as just different.
2: I had uh, talked to Britt a bit about this before, and she brought up an interesting point, which is that that this might be a purely—well, not purely, but very much an American— phenomenon that uh like you were saying uh caribbean culture this isn't nudity at least or like you know bearing more skin isn't considered risque in and, europe in europe exactly. and uh in yeah. carnival and you know brazil it's like a it's a family event that people go to and it's you know so but we're north, america. Of, yeah. I would say north america i heard about this when we, <laughs> i told you i lived in to
1: toronto for five years and certainly heard about it and the toronto is the second it, toronto and tifra like the largest North american parade and um they actually had a section for kids. It was like off a block away from the parade. It was in the school playground. And it was so boring. Oh, wow. It was incredibly boring. The PG version of Pride. It was the PG Pride. version. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was good because it was safe. You didn't have to worry about the kids running off. But otherwise, it was boring. And I just, you know, get, I think that, look, you want you want people to accept you? Just let them know that, let no, let them know your family. Let them meet you. I can't tell you how many hearts and minds gaze with kids has changed just by showing accurate and honest portrayals of our families and this is just a part of who we are absolutely and so just be but you know it turns out i'm up at night doing homework with my daughter or i got into a fight with my son because he didn't do his homework and didn't walk the talk. i mean it's the same exact issues that every other family's having and so just be open and honest and that's that's the way to gain
2: true acceptance. Will, I'll also say that, you know, straight people have just as many weird kinks and things that they're doing behind closed doors, right? So we're just more public about it. We do all the time.
1: I always say that when we go out with a group of dinners with a bunch of straight people, we're always like, you straight people are so weird. (laughs) It's
2: true. I'm constantly scandalized by my my straight friends and the things that they get up to. So it's just, we're much more public about it because we, we don't have the same sort of, yeah, it's one of the great things about being queer, I think, is that you can kind of shed any sort of idea of what is proper or what's not because people already think you're crazy so you know roll with it
0: (laughs) and brian even when you mentioned earlier about nudity again that's just something that's just so normal to me i mean everybody in the house we all know what parts we have (laughs) i remember when i was younger growing up and like my aunt may sleep over for a little bit or something like that and she'd walk in the bathroom just completely naked and she's like well if i traumatize you just call (laughs) 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 that was her answer and Luckily, I haven't had to call Oprah yet, so I'm doing just fine, guys. (laughs) If you do call Oprah, I want to know if she's
1: going to answer your calls. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'll keep you updated. So what are you guys going to be doing for Pride this year? Are you going to any events in person?
1: I don't know what's happening in person in Boston. I guess I should probably know. I don't,
3: I don't think that there's anything happening there. in person. But, uh, of course, Provincetown. P-Town is all, right. yes. And we, we've, They've got it going on. My
1: right. kids love P-Town. Um, my, we're especially very fond of Miss Richfield 1981. So I'm excited because she's also hosting Family Movie Night, um, which is part of New York Pride, but it's virtual this year. And we are... part of that we've been helping to promote it and so i'm excited that we're a part of that anyone can watch that just by going to family movie night and maybe we can give the url actually in the description of this podcast but yeah miss bridgefield is one of our all-time favorites we have a photo of her and
0: hopefully we'll get one this summer too
3: nice what about new york you guys going to the cop free pride over there
0: (laughs) definitely definitely i love pride it's it's such a beautiful gathering um I have gone twice in my life, so I'd like to make it a third. Um, I definitely want to go to the to visit the Stonewall once again. That was a really um, great moment for me. And yeah, just live and, you know, have a good old time.
2: Yeah, I think the, the official parade is virtual again, but the Queer Liberation March, which referring to our last conversation um has happened for years now and is very specifically yes. was founded to be a police-free <laughs> parade uh they don't get permits that's very intentionally free of uh, of enforcement like that so that it happened last year even peak pandemic people were masked and um appropriate but that i think will be happening in person still and it is it's more of a protest feeling it's uh it's still a lot of fun and like geo said i i what i love about new york anything queer that happens any big news everyone rushes to Stonewall just happens kind of automatically and it's like a big party out in front of the this you know landmark for us it's really um, a nice Thing that we have as the as part of the community here. And oh. luckily,
0: your boy will be turning 21 this Hey! Year, so I will be doing oh. hey. hey. muzzle
3: tough. All right. Congrats. Hey. hey me. Brian, we're gonna have to make our way down to New York and pride with you. Yeah, them. I guess.
1: uh I don't even remember so what me. it was like to turn 21. <laughs>
3: Uh, so, you guys can read more about all of these news stories and more at our website, gazewithkids.com. I wanted to check in with you guys about what's going on with our GWK heroes this week.
2: Brian, why don't you give us a, a little rundown of what we're doing here? And we're all very excited to be kicking this off, but I'll let our, our fearless founder here describe what we're doing.
1: Thank you. So, you know, we, we've, over the last year, quite frankly, we've heard a lot of stories of dads who were just making. You know, an awesome contribution, whether they're frontline workers helping their community through the worst of the pandemic or just amazing advocates for the LGBTQ plus community or quite frankly, just inspiring uh, those around them. And so we decided to 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 support these guys by creating our first ever GWK Hero Program. Um, and I'll tell you from June uh 14th through the 17th, we are going to be calling on you, our community, to vote for the finalists. So basically, we'll show you, I don't know, somewhere between 7 to 10 of the nominations we've received. And I can tell you, the nominees we've received already, wow, they make my heart go pitter-patter. And a couple of them brought tears to my eyes. So the 14th to 17th, we'll be asking all of you to uh, help us select the GWK hero and two runners-up. We've got a ton of prizes. Um, we've got these really cool companies that have donated to prizes, everything from Wonder Cooks giving you cookies for a year to an awesome uh, backpack from Mini-Me to socks, pride socks from Bombas um, to photo shoots to a really cool diaper company that just launched it with us called Kudos uh, and a lot, a lot, lot more. So um, I encourage you when you when you see us, get emails or see us on social. Asking us, asking you to vote, please get involved because we're really excited. And I know you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna honor these guys as well.
2: Free cookies for a year. It's pretty incredible. Oh my goodness. Cakes. <laughs> it's an amazing bakery
1: owned by a gay couple. Um, and I've had them and they are unbelievably good.
3: <laughs> so good. I had breakfast this morning, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You can read more about these stories at gazewithkids.com, and we'll see you next week for another episode.